Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. We're back for day eight. No, day nine. They're blurring together already. Day nine of streaming in place. And we're still talking, of course, Lucifer season one. Episode nine is a priest walks into a bar. And obviously that is a very straightforward setup. This is one I already mentioned yesterday that I am quite fond of. Did how, how did this one work for you guys? Because it definitely like goes up to and over that line of like the what you expect from an episode called "A Priest Walks Into a Bar." We're going to acknowledge the joke. We're going to have fun with that, but then we are going to have Lucifer screaming at the heavens, like in the most predictable way. So did did it earn those moments for you guys, or was it too on the nose? Um, you know, I I, I think there was a little. Um... Like, maybe they didn't quite get there to the screaming at the heavens. Like, maybe they felt just like a teeny tiny bit short. But for the most part, I think it was pretty earned. And it helps that this episode had a pretty stellar guest cast. Uh, and I'm delighted to learn from Twitter that I think that Noel and I are are equally jazzed about different people which I think is the mark of a good casting director. Um, although maybe it's the same person. I don't know. I was, I was stoked to see Coleman Domingo, who's one of my very favorite, Hey, it's that guys. Um, and like a, a sort of giant in the theater world um, show up. And I thought he was just great. And uh, that he and Ellis were terrific together. And that went a long way toward getting from this kind of expected joke to the predictable, but mostly, or at least almost earned screaming at the heavens monologue. Yeah, I think that it a lot of it rests on the fact that uh, Clement Domingo, who's fabulous, and also this episode is a disgrace because they didn't let him sing. Oh, um, we are talking about the same person. That's oh, great. Oh, no, we're okay, definitely cool. talking about the same person. Okay. It's ridiculous okay. that they did not let him sing. They have him play the piano. They don't let him sing, and that's <laughs> just not okay. Like, I'm okay Very with that in Fear of the Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. I have an issue with it here, literally in a show that has room for that. Um, so that bothered me, but I think that Domingo is such a really strong and great actor and such a good guest cast. And also it provides a really strong feature for their guest actor in a way that you really need someone who can carry the episode basically to try to get to that point. Um, Mm -hmm. and I agree like that it almost gets there. It doesn't quite get there. And I think it literally like needs to be like a tour, a two-parter to really feel fully earned. But overall, I think it generally sort of works as well as it can when you layer in everything else that's sort of been building to this from the therapy sessions with Dr. Linda to um, his like fluctuating mortality and mortality type stuff and how all that kind of gets baked in here. Plus, I think that the one thing that in addition to Domingo's really solid performance and near constant presence in the episode is that whole thing of, oh no, Lucifer, God wants you to be down here. It was part of his plan. And just the fact that this had also not occurred to Lucifer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That I think is also like part of the reason why it almost works as well as they wanted to is that realization of, I'm still doing what my dad wants me to do. I don't like it. And I think that generally works pretty well. So it 
doesn't quite reach where they wanted to, but between Domingo and between some of the plot beats, uh, character beats, I should say, in this episode, I think it comes together pretty nicely. I'm not sure that I can think of a network show, really almost any show, but certainly a network show that could have a monologue screaming to the heavens near but not at the end of its very first season and earn it you know yeah. like th- like the west wing earned it after two seasons and it took a like a lot right like they earned it but it was um a near thing it still could have gone off the rails pretty easily so yeah. if, if if that's a high bar to clear for the west wing it is very impressive that lucifer even comes close yeah well and I'm, I'm just gonna heap some more praise on colin domingo because he's very very good um i think that some of the stuff they give him and they know that that they that they're gonna need like even when they're writing this i'm assuming they're writing this before they've cast it um even if they maybe have some like lines out or some ideas of people they think they can get who would be good um there's stuff that he sells and gives appropriate weight to that would be really hard to 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 land with someone else with Mm-hmm. most people and i think even just like the delivery of your father um at the end of the episode and ellis is is good in that scene but domingo is just so much better um and that's not anything against ellis it's just how good domingo is that like your father you know loves you or whatever whatever the line is um that that just that the way he reads your there gives that whole scene the the weight that it and that it needs and the import that it needs so that we can then you know have our big confrontation scene um <laughs> screaming at the heaven scene this time watching it having that, that scene landed a lot better and the 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 screaming at the heaven scene worked a lot better because uh, i was more attuned into the threads connecting this to maze which i the first time through i wasn't as strongly connected to so this idea that he is unmoored from everyone in his life who actually knows and accepts who he is and then like that that little connection being like oh no you do see me like you you know you don't just think i'm this this person who doesn't understand who doesn't have a grasp on reality, you know, and accept me all this stuff as you're dying. <laughs> like that, that connecting that to this, this fracture with maze, um, helped, helped me buy into that a lot more than I did. I think the, the previous time I watched it. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a good point. something I haven't considered. Yeah. Same. Um, I have a feeling that this one, like, uh, I'm blanking on episode names, but like several of the episodes preceding it, maybe not cheaters, but like a couple <laughs> of the episodes preceding it um, will get more interesting to me the more I think about it. Because in, I mean, it, it really like follows a lot of tropes beat by beat that we expect, right? Lucifer, once they set up that he's like, no, I don't like him. You sort of know exactly where it's going. Um, and it feels very familiar, but tropes don't necessarily equal bad or unoriginal right it's how what you put into them and what you take from them and how you comment on them and i think that um that this episode works really well uh through those lenses too it's um just always interesting to watch him not be a human experiencing human things and processing all of that um 
And I think that this episode does that about as well as any other episode this season has. And a lot of that is just the undeniable charm of Coleman Domingo. Um, he, he makes it very easy to believe um, that this relationship would accelerate at the pace that the show wants it to, which then makes all of that sort of, I don't know what this particular feeling I'm feeling is stuff that Ellis is doing so interesting and believable. No, any thoughts? No, sorry. I was just nodding in agreement and I realized that <laughs> We're still technically a audio medium right <laughs> later. So no, I was just not. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Uh, the, we've already mentioned it. Yes, it's a shame they don't have him sing. I don't know. Like, yes, this is a show that could do that. But I wouldn't give up our, the like, the piano stuff that we get here to get he that. sing while he plays the piano. No, I don't think it works in the same way. It's a different thing, right? Like, yeah, I guess you could have them, like, improv uh, and, and do some scatting or something like that. But, like, I, I really like the collaboration we get here and then how they mirror that with Chloe at the end is just delightful and really, really, um, you know, really impactful. And it also is, again, I just have seen so many other shows that don't do it nearly so good when they fake people playing together on the piano and like even just basics like he's playing notes up in this register and he's playing notes down in this register and they actually match and when they switch there's like it the the audio of the music is you know matches th- their physicality <laughs> it's, it's a really low bar but it's a bar so few shows clear <laughs> when they're doing moments like that uh and even later it doesn't quite they don't quite match it with chloe though maybe she did have three years of piano so maybe she's doing her own harmony up at the top and she switches from octaves to being that's possible it's unlikely uh, but it's possible <laughs> you know that i my issue with that is more because that is the as silly as it is that was an off note for me because i just don't buy that someone who off had note. three years of ha that had three years of piano presumably in you know elementary school junior high high school somewhere in there um would have the only thing that she remembers be heart and soul, but then is capable of playing it in two octaves gracefully, no mistakes, no trying to fumble. I just don't buy it at all. It's like, nope, nope. Maybe you remember plunk, plunk, plunk. And then beyond that, no, nope, not quite so gracefully. Um, But it was still very nice moment. And it was lovely seeing those two scenes juxtaposed against each other. Acting perspective, great. believability perspective i had a little i had a little qualm maybe i'm just jealous because i also took three years of piano uh and was terrible at it the entire time (laughs) what do you what's your piece that you remember i don't i was terrible (laughs) um i probably remember i mean i bet i could do part of heart and soul and i probably remember the opening but just the right hand the opening of on my own from les mis (laughs) and uh that's just because i was obsessed with that song like all music theater geeks who were such in junior high right oh girls at least um and uh certainly let me put it this way mezzo sopranos all mezzo sopranos (laughs) regardless of gender all mezzo sopranos were once obsessed with on my own um yeah, but I uh, have zero finger dexterity. So no matter how hard I practice, I just kept going like, duh. And then I have to position my hands. Duh. It's bad. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel better, I studied piano for 
12 years and I uh, was very good by the time I finished. I was like learning full concertos and Rhapsody in Blue and, and all of that. And um, yeah, I struggle to sight read two hands now. Like I can play stuff if it's simple, but as soon as the left hand has to do stuff, it's just, it's, it's, it's not, it's not good. So, and uh, uh, I think yeah. you can get away with being extremely good at other instruments than just yeah. a pan. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I can pick out notes, but 12 years is a lot, right? And then they made me do two more when I was in college. They wouldn't let me test out of my basic. It's a whole thing. Anyways, getting distracted. <laughs> so that was not a problem for me, surprisingly. Uh, I'm glad that you at least enjoyed the 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 scene outside of the context, even if, yeah. yeah. What, what did you think about the, the dueling pianos? No. Oh, no, they're two really nice scenes. And I think they provide a good sort of, not bookend, sort of bookend, because like one of them happens like halfway through the episode. Um, but a good sort of um, way to draw connections and to between characters. And I was thinking about like the fact that they are able to do that improv sort of duet um, really quickly kind of speaks to the degree to which they've established a very quick connection. Um, but then you do something like heart and soul at the end where it's a little more deliberate. It's a little more um, slow to bloom, basically, like what Chloe and Lucifer are sort of exploring, which is why I think actually singing works okay and would work okay in that scene because it would actually speak to the really quick way that they're, that the connection between Lucifer and Father Frank had suddenly like just blossomed in a way and to really drive that home as opposed to saying just doing an instrumental version of Heart and Soul with Chloe and Lucifer at the end there it would feed into that a little bit more okay um yeah this is an agree to disagree one I can't believe that in a podcast where there is music I am saying I don't want the people who are good singers to sing. Yeah, but it's weird. It's very strange. I don't strange know how I feel right about now. this. And it's I think I'm strange. just going to do the Televerse with Allison from now on. Clearly. <laughs> this is the right choice. Um, the, the other My thing was, evil plan is working. <laughs> um, the other part that I, just, I absolutely love about it, I just really love that last scene with, with Chloe and Lucifer. I think it works so nicely. You get the sense that this is one of the very few times in his like at least recent memory where someone has shown up asking absolutely nothing of him. Like even, even mm-hmm. he like go, tries to make it a sexual thing and, and she says no. And, and like, the, cause that would even be asking him to do something, you know? And it's, I'm not, it, it's just, no, I'm just going to sit here and let me, you know, what do you need? And we're just going to play heart and soul. It was again, the, the they cast this show well. Because the dynamic and the chemistry between those two and the vulnerability that the characters can have with each other is so palpable. And I like, I really appreciate the simplicity of the scene and also um, the the nuance of the performances. So yeah, that's one of Mm -hmm. my favorite Chloe and Lucifer scenes so far. The other thing I liked about that scene is you can see Tom Ellis is just really good at the nonverbal stuff. You can see in his reaction, specifically when he tries to make it a sexual thing, that she, like Dr. Linda, sees, at least in that moment, sees that for what it is, which is a deflection, um, uh, defensive mechanism, a way to sort of ignore what's really going on in the reality of a moment, which is 
um, directly related to that conversation that he has with Dr. Linda at the beginning of the episode and the constant partying and this and that. Um, it was It's always compelling to me to watch a character realize that they're being seen, like really seen by someone, um, even if they don't necessarily totally see themselves. Uh, and it's a, you know, a totally nonverbal moment, totally nonverbal reaction from him. And I thought it was just really, really great. It is. And I think it also speaks to the fact that he's very cognizant of like coverage and type stuff. And when they're putting this together in an edit, um, because who knows like which version they're going to use and that kind of thing. And the, if they're how many takes that they did and the consistency of that, I think is something to really kind of be aware of as well Is like, you don't get to just do that in one take. You get to do it in a few, maybe depending on how much time you have. And I think that that's really sort of important. Like, if he's managing to do that or they're really keying in on that, like they're making a conscious effort when they bring in whatever director of the week they're having, everyone's sitting down and going like, these are kinds of the things that we need to make sure that we include visually. And which is normally something that gets done, but like putting that kind of a thing on like a character level, I don't know how often that necessarily happens either. So I think it speaks to the craft of the show that the care that they're putting into this character arc, even in this first season. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about the case of the week and our, I mean, we've been making hello fellow children jokes for, for like episodes now, but I mean, like I got I mean, after all the praise for their casting department, are those supposed to be teenagers? Because they look about the same age as Chloe. Um, and that's not what they're supposed to be. Um, the, 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 like, that's supposed to be a teenager, right? Which one? The the two. The, 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 the pseudo. The girl. Connor, and, Connor, Connor and, the girl. and the girl. Yeah. Nikki, I think. Yeah. I, I don't know. I guess I'm so accustomed to seeing teenagers who look older than teenage i mean we're living in a riverdale universe like i <laughs> i don't i guess it didn't strike me as being particularly weird what i was trying to figure out is there's a line about teenagers and power struggle and whatever with the like the um apple-cheeked fellow counselor who ends up being the spider mm-hmm. i just like couldn't quite put together what his deal was supposed to be that was odd for me um but yeah i mean they definitely looked older but they looked like average tv teenager age they just didn't look like real (laughs) teenagers although i don't know i've been watching a lot of tiktok teenagers look all kinds of ages well i interact with teenagers on a regular basis because i teach them so i the first time i watched this episode uh, I was really confused because I didn't realize they were supposed to be teens. I was like, why is he so, like, following around this, like, 23-year-old? <laughs> like, why are they at the sh- shelter? And, like, like I'm so, like, it, it was very, I was very confused by that until I realized, oh, they're supposed to be, like, that's why all these, like, there's all these jabs from Lucifer about young boys and obviously all of the abuse within the Catholic church. Um, so yeah, that was, that was very, it, it took me a second to go, Oh, okay. That's what's happening. Um, Scotty mentions that the, the actress who plays Nikki is on Chicago PDs. Um, nowadays I refuse to watch Chicago mad, but I try to stay up on the Chicago Dick Wolf shows because also wasn't the actress who plays Chloe on Chicago fire. 
I want to say. Yeah, she was on the Chicago shows for a little while, too. Yeah, yeah. so there's some more connection there. And uh, before I forget, and it moves up on the chat, Lurker did mention earlier that uh, this is a show about God and the devil, though. So doesn't that, like, give it a leg up on yelling at the heavens and yes <laughs> for does. sure yeah good does anyways um so so yeah the once i realized that they were just like trying to de-age too old of actors with the like the fashion choices and stuff just also didn't seem age appropriate and like all like these different things that once i realized that they were actually doing that that helped my appreciation of that corner of this episode um so I'm, I, apparently, Elson, you didn't have the same issue. I'm, I'm guessing Noel, I'm also alone on this one, yes? A little bit. Like, the guy who plays Connor was born in 1990, and Lauren Germain was born in 1978. So I think really? it just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it just speaks to either general care or a lot of makeup. <laughs> well, also, who, uh, the the age of people that get cast to be the leads on right. shows as well. Yeah. And, uh, and and also the age of characters. Like yeah. your female lead detective character is usually not someone in their, their like mid to late 30s at the start of the show. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Stump so. town! Stump town! <laughs> Get stumped! <laughs> Get stumped! Okay, well, uh, then what, what, so what else was there in this episode? We've already, we've talked about the, the, the stuff with Father Frank, though, you know, I could talk more about that. Um, should we talk a little bit about what we're, the very little we get from Maze? Should we talk about Menadiel and what's going on with Kevin Rankin? Um, I mean, I mean sorry, Paul Meadow, what's his name? <laughs> Malcolm. Malcolm, thank you. <laughs> I always just call him Palmetto in my head. Uh, even though <laughs> that's not his name, but he's just so connected with the, the Palmetto case that's just like Palmetto guy, you know. Um, Allison, where should we go next? Let's let's do the Palmetto. I gotta say, um, I sort of, I don't know what it is. It's nobody's fault. I think it's just some kind of block in my brain. I just don't care. <laughs> um, and I probably will eventually. And I definitely, which is not to say that I'm not enjoying that part of the ongoing story, mostly because, um, uh, what's the name of the actor playing Malcolm? I'm sorry, I shut my aim to be like, Kevin Rakin. Um, he's having such a, in obviously having such a good time that it makes it uh, very engaging to watch. And I do think that his scene in the diner where he's eating all of the food was a high point. So I guess maybe I like it more than I think I did. I just, um, it seemed like the show wanted me to think it was a, a big revelation that what Amenadiel wanted, why he brought him back, um, was specifically so that he could kill Lucifer, so Lucifer would go back to hell. Um, but they set that up in the previously on, like they made it very clear in the previously on that that was going to happen. Um, and I just, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not as engaged in that as a season long story as I think I should be. Um, and I'm not, maybe not totally sure why, what, where are you guys at with that one? Well, I think one of the things with it is that Amenadiel clearly has resources. He's leasing an office somewhere in LA, uh, for a psychiatry, for a psychiatry office that I have questions about how often he's there. And I really want to know. Um, but my other, my other thing is, is like, you didn't need to salvage someone from hell to hire someone to kill Lucifer. 
So I'm I'm waiting for like that as a narrative and a plot thing to sort of shift in some fashion because again, there are people that you can just hire to do this. You didn't need to save a guy's soul from hell from 30 seconds and be like, I can just put you back there if you don't kill this guy. And like, but you could also just pay someone. Um Right, and but so would have okay. hired hit yeah for the for the podcast later. Noel, what does Lurker say? <laughs> but Lurker says, but it's someone whose soul's already damned for sure. And I'm just, but a hitman's already probably almost certainly damned for sure. I don't feel like there's much room with a room for redemption there. Um, so it just it feels a little like what we were talking about a little bit earlier, like a couple of, couple of um, whatchamacallits, a couple of episodes ago, but also this episode with like the other counselor being the spider um, is economy of character type of deal of like, we need this to tie in an economy of plot. We need this to tie in to everything in a way that helps us justify all the other stuff that we've been sort of seeding this season. And I don't know that it works as well as the show wants it to work. And Lurker does point out that um, getting uh, Malcolm to do it uh, takes out the question of whether or not the hitman or hit person, let's let's, let's acknowledge, um, can redeem themselves before um, death, uh, which is fair. But then Aminadil could just kill them, I guess. I don't. I keep coming up with loopholes. Well, there are answers to those loopholes, but they're spoilers. So, or they're not spoilers, but like they're things that at this point in the show. We don't know. Okay. Um, so there, there, there are things that will be further clarified down the line that explain why. Right. And it, you know, yeah, it gets into my thing of like wanting to have like a firmer grasp of the theological underpinnings of this, how this universe operates and how their divinity stuff works. Um, which just makes me think that I need to get Charlotte Howell on. I wonder if she watched Lucifer. Sorry. She's a TV scholar, friend of mine who wrote an entire book about um, religion on television. Yeah, so we had her on for Murder She Wrote. Yeah. Oh, I know. Ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was super fun. <laughs> so you should reach out to them. Um, but yeah, it really go- depends on your theology and and your beliefs because there are lots of people who believe that um, all you have to do is ask for forgiveness and you are right. redeemed of every sin. You could be like about to croak and then you're fine. And there are other people that you know, you know believe that no, you have to have good works and you have to like actively make strive and make efforts. You know, like uh, towards to redeeming yourself. And that gets into a whole very murky thing that I'm guessing the show just was like we're just gonna sidestep this also that way uh, the cases intersect in an economy of characters right. and it'll yeah. be more fun this way um, but there are also reasons uh, that I know that you don't know yet <laughs> about why certain choices are being made uh, which does not help when you're watching it for the first time uh, so fair enough and I'm okay with that I'm just like it's it it like kind of eats away at the back of my brain whenever like that plot comes up of like mm-hmm. this makes sense but it also doesn't make a lot of sense so and i will also add that uh i'm sure latoya is listening <laughs> oh latoya is yelling is... at me so hard and no so no angry she's right yelling now. at <laughs> allison saying no you are not alone palmetto's stupid <laughs> and nobody cares about it um cause... really Oh, Latoya, that makes me, I feel, I feel so much less alone now. Oh, thank God. Okay, good. 
<laughs> yeah, she's she's not a fan of the Palmetto stuff. Um, and let me know, Latoya, if I, I don't want to be misattributing your thoughts on this, but that I I feel pretty confident that she would be reassuring you on that one. Um, do we have uh, any thoughts on Maze? Are you surprised, Noel, that she's still there, or do you anticipate she's going to be hanging around a bit more while? things are strained with her and lucifer oh i imagine she's i'm not surprised that she's still there like i don't think that the season has room for her to strike out on their her own and do anything really like productive with it um it'd be like an episode off sort of deal of where's maze and that could be interesting but i don't see that exactly happening right now when they've got the plates that they've got spinning uh so no i was not surprised to still see her and it's fine um, I'm curious to see like where that's going to go by the end of the season, but I'm also like of the things that they're slow playing. This is the thing that I'm most okay with them slow playing. Allison, how are you feeling about it? You know, good. I uh, wasn't surprised that she was still there, but I think maybe I was misinterpreting something that got said in an earlier episode because although maybe I wasn't Kate, you can tell me it made it sound as though they are bound together in some yeah. supernatural helly way <laughs> where I just didn't think she would be able to leave. And so then I was just picturing her like being a bartender, only the boss won't speak to her. Um, and she's just stuck there, miserable. Um, mm. So yeah, I don't know. I was glad to see her. I'm glad that she's still on the show, but it didn't surprise me that she's still around. Um it was fun to watch her in that brief interaction at the top before we meet Father Frank. Um, for a while, I thought it was like, I was trying to fit, guess who it could possibly be because I wasn't thinking about the episode title, which obviously I would have known if I considered the episode title, I would have known right away. But I was like, well, who would be here asking for a favor? She's acting like it's a celebrity. Like, is this gonna, who is it gonna be? But of course it makes sense that the thing that would, that would so titillate is probably not the right word, but hype her up that she loses some of that, uh, like her cool, her unruffled cool would be that it's a priest. Like, of course that's what it would be. Um, You're not going to believe this one, that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I dug it. I'm glad she's still around. Yeah. I, and this would be something for people who know the source material better, even though I know the show is very different than the source material, but um, I take, don't take it to be like a physical or a like um, I mean sort of a direct specific like binding of the two characters so so much as like a promise and like a shared history and and a, a sense of obligation to the other person. But um, mm. it, as a you know, so as opposed to like a mystical like I have sworn this blood oath to over you know like to watch over you for the centuries and uh, I don't think it's supposed to be that um or at least that's not the implication and everybody let let me know in the chat if i'm forgetting something marcus says that's my interpretation as well um so yeah and and also if you guys have any uh any any thoughts or any questions about this episode leave them in the chat because we're going to wrap up here pretty quick lurker says he thinks it's uh or she sorry i don't mean to gender you lurker i don't know your gender um i think it's in between um, so, you know, we'll see how that develops as, you know, we get to know those two characters a little bit more. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you guys about is what did you think of their answers? Um, the, the answers that we get around, uh, who shot Malcolm and, uh, and 
Detective Douche and, you know, did they successfully answer our questions around that and thread the needle so we still like Detective uh, Douche? Uh, or did they, <laughs> you know, did, did, is that, did that seem like it was a weak sauce answer? And before we pivot completely to that, Lurker also says, uh, Maze was created to serve and protect Lucifer, but isn't necessarily physically bound. Um, Scotty has the same question, uh, and, which is not dumb. <laughs> and did, did Dan actually shoot Malcolm? Uh, and she's confused. So uh, I'm going to throw it to you guys. What do you, you know, what do you think about all that part? I'll admit that I don't think I was paying attention when they clarified this this morning. It was I was the on my phone affair. Scene. Right. I, I think I was fixated on the fact of whether or not it was a donut or like a breakfast sandwich of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, that was where I was getting, that was where I was focused. Thank you, Scotty. Excellent. Good. Uh, I was Scotty. also fixated on the donut, I, whatever it was. I, I, I think I was just hungry. I'm with you. It was like, that was a scene stealing baked good for sure. <laughs> Uh, Scotty was wondering if he was bleeding from the mouth. Uh, yeah, so this is, I'm highly entertained. Yes, it was very intentional lurker. That wasn't it. Yeah, I agree. It was intentional red jelly. <laughs> well, oh, you were clearly, saying. Kate, you're just going to have to tell us what happened. <laughs> yeah. Scene. Okay. In the scene, they, they like very clearly specify in like three lines of dialogue. Yep. You shot me because I saw that, that your wife, ex-wife was there and I reached for my gun. So you shot me before I could shoot her. And it's very like, yes, Dan was there. Um, okay. and the only reason he shot Malcolm was because Malcolm was going to shoot Chloe and okay. that was the only way to save. So it's really, he's a good guy who they haven't really specified why he's there, but like, right. He's not theoretically corrupt, but he has looked the other way on a few things. And so then then uh, Malcolm has stuff on him, sort of. And, and like, so, yeah, that's what they're going for. Um, and whether or not you guys buy that or that seems very <laughs> stupid. I'm just loving question. Allison's face so much right now. And Allison, you're raising your hand. Also, you can you can like raise your hand in zoom as well. Like that's a feature that you can do. Oh, I wasn't raising my hand. Like I want to talk. That was maybe, this was like a, like a bitch, please. Uh, (laughs) It was a completely involuntary motion. Um, So I, I also, for, first of all, this is how I know for sure I'm bored by the storyline. I remember the donut, but forgot that part of the conversation, um, which doesn't make sense to me. Um, if so, so basically is what they're asking us to believe that detective douche, an honorable man, but like a, is like a dubious cop where he's, he's a good guy, but he was somehow aware that Malcolm was dirty and was fine with it and then only did anything about it when he saw he was going to shoot Chloe so he would also be implicated is that what they're saying okay so we don't know why he was there okay but Chloe didn't see him right and he clearly went down he was then who went down that trap door and dropped the key 
Right. Unless there was a third cop or a fourth cop there. But, there was um, a third shooter. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we don't know why he was there. We know that he does not consider himself dirty. And he says that he only like looked the other way a few times uh, for Malcolm back when they had been like partnered or something or okay. Malcolm considers them having been partners even though they weren't because he had his other partner who who he faked the death of um the, the he's suicide purgatory death. cop yeah per per lurker with he's not a good cop like Chloe or an evil one like Malcolm I guess he's purgatory cop <laughs> well okay so so basically we don't know yet the extent of Dan being shady we just know he was there and okay. he shot, uh, and he shot Malcolm because Malcolm was gonna shoot Chloe. And in in the flashback in the previous episode, we see her like poke her head and then like turn away um, because she's worried. She worries she's been seen. And when she looks away is when he goes for his gun. He would have gone for his gun and to shoot Chloe, which is why then Dan shot him. But you would think if and Malcolm knows that Dan shot him. So you would think that he would know that he Dan wouldn't let him shoot Chloe. So maybe did he did Malcolm not know that Chloe that, that Dan was there? You know, was Dan like following Malcolm for separate reasons? So I, it's very it's very murky. <laughs> Go ahead. Does it okay. become clear question. though? <laughs> yeah, that's my question. Is this intentionally murky? Like we're not supposed to understand, or is it just bad storytelling? Um, I think we do get a little more clarity on it, but mostly they want okay. to be able to have their cake and eat it. <laughs> I think they were like, we really Here's... like Kelvin Alejandro. <laughs> Let's keep him. Um, <laughs> it's the, um, oh God, I, my brain is like jello today. R- Ricardo Diaz. It's the Ricardo Diaz problem yeah. on Arrow. I'm just remembering that you both quit watching Arrow. It's the Ricardo Diaz no. problem. She said to no one. Oh, unfortunately, um, I, I watched. No, Kay, Kay watched that. Kay oh, watched for that some season. reason, I thought you stopped. I just, I, yeah. I stopped. I was just okay. like, no. Okay. I like that um, actor, but not that much. <laughs> I thought you came back just for season seven. Anyway, it's the Ricardo Diaz problem where you have a great actor that you obviously really like. So you just invent reasons for him to stay around. Most shows are not great at this. Legends of Tomorrow being the exception. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow can do anything it wants to keep any actor around. I don't care. Anyway, um, <laughs> bring back Brandon Ruth. Find a way. Um, please. I'm begging you. I need this. I really need, I really need this. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, so the Palmetto stuff, whether it, whether it's murky intentionally or not, um, if what we're meant to understand is that Dan shot Marcus because Marcus was going to shoot Chloe, then in theory, there are no, because they're both dead, both of the people who were there other than Dan and Chloe are dead. So there's no reason that Dan couldn't have just said, well, I was also thinking he was a dirty cop and I was also investigating and I saw him turn his gun on another officer. Like he could have just, there there wasn't anybody to say he was lying. Why is it a secret? It doesn't make any sense. Why is it a secret? <laughs> okay. Um, so was the, was Malcolm's, I don't think Malcolm's partner was actually even there. No, right. no, no. So there, there are three cops there, right? There was the, the, the bad guys, air quotes. And then there was Malcolm, who is dirty. And there was Chloe, who was following him. And Dan is there somehow as well. And so 
everybody is dead, <laughs> except for our not no longer dead. Is that Malcolm. what this is? This lost. It's lost. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and that's not what Lost is. In case there's anybody listening who has not watched Lost, Noel is messing with you. That is not actually what Lost is. And I will get into a lengthy argument at another time about the meaning of that final season. Happy to do it. So, uh, yes, Scotty, that is what happened. Uh, the, um, the, um, so Scotty was asking who, uh, like Malcolm's partner, did he not actually commit suicide? Yes. Malcolm killed him, faked the suicide letter, staged the scene. Um, and so, so now at this point, everybody who was there is the three cops, the two alive ones and the formerly dead, but now alive one was Malcolm. And, and so that's what they're they're trying to figure out now as for why dan couldn't have just been oh yeah i think it would have it would be very shady based on why is he there in the first place and um the fact that they are married and the fact i mean it would cast a pall over them like so like oh wait there's a dirty cop why they're two you know like don't think about it so much (laughs) but they didn't think chloe was dirty why couldn't he just say i picked up on the same stuff and I was also following those clues. Or I wanted to follow Chloe and make sure she was safe. Well, because I think what it is, is he then he'd have to tell her. He was trying to not tell her that he knew this stuff was going on with Malcolm and all this stuff. And that he killed a guy and all these different things. So he was trying to not have her find out that he was in any way involved in anything and just like on so many tv shows just talk to each other just you yeah. use your words and say your feelings and your experiences and then this is gonna be better <laughs> i'm getting progressively more annoyed with that story yeah than we talk about it yeah no we need to stop talking about it for like i'm 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 like just very annoyed right now so i need to stop yeah. talking about it <laughs> i know that everyone in the comments by the way has come forward as strong supporters of allison and latoya <laughs> not just like it's just it's just stupid it's just weak it's just not just it's bad so uh on that cheery note uh, <laughs> the next episode uh for, for lucifer's season one episode 10 pops and uh yeah it's I, i'm looking forward to all y'all's thoughts pop, on it pop. Pop, pop. <laughs> and uh, I will say this about it. Uh, one of the things that one of you, uh, Noel or Allison, has said that they want to see in an episode of Lucifer is going to come up in the next episode. So Babysitting? That's a tease. I'm not going to confirm or deny what it is. <laughs> but, it's totally babysitting. It's not but... Trisha Helfer. So it's babysitting. <laughs> it's not Trisha Helfer. I will say that. Uh, but I, I will not confirm or deny what it is. But enjoy and i look forward to our conversation tomorrow and i still have to edit this and this is gonna be a long episode but that's okay we've had super fun uh talking about not nearly enough about the father frank but i think enough about purgatory cops so uh let's leave it on that note everyone stay safe wash your hands and don't let the britneys keep multiplying (laughs) well i i don't know i don't know is it a bad thing if there are more britneys is this a good you know i don't know yeah, because you did get your new Britney. What's a multitude of, what do you call a multitude of Britneys? <laughs> like, yeah. is it a like a Spears of Britneys? Is it an Oops of Britneys? Um, <laughs> is it a hot tub of Britneys? A, Britney, um, a gaggle uh, of Britneys? A flock a of Britneys? A flock of Britneys? I'm going to have to think on this. Yeah, yeah. Come, I like come Marcus's back. Britney with two eyes, like as the pluralization. <laughs> 
I think that's very good. That matches with my yeah. memories yeah. of declensions from Latin in high school. The Britney. Britney, yeah. The yeah. Britney Britneys. I like yeah. that. It's very good. I think that okay. would just be the Britney. Yeah, that's a true too. Britney, right? Three or more Britneys is a Britney. Yeah. Okay. Great. We, we've solved we this problem less. at least. Yeah. So in my head, it's an that it would have to be Brit with I A E at the end, like encyclopedia and and everything. So I'm I'm good with that. Uh, we're gonna leave it there. Thank you guys so much for coming and hanging out with us today. This was super fun, and we'll be back tomorrow for more Lucifer. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.